All right, it's time to get bad with Johnny B. Bad. I have no idea what that means. So let's just get to my conversation with Mark Miro. Ding, ding, ding. Well, folks, I am uh, very excited to welcome our guest here. Our paths never crossed uh, when uh, I was with the WWF, WWE at the time, but uh, I heard a lot about him when he was uh, down in the WCW, and he's had a had a tremendous career, but I think that uh, if you asked him uh, what his greatest accomplishments have been, he would talk about what he's doing today. I want to welcome Mark Merrow to Primetime with Sean Mooney. Mark, thank you so much for coming on. How are you? Sean, it's just great to talk to you, man. I know, I know our paths never crossed, but I've always admired what you do and, and uh, excited about talking with you today. Mark, you know, uh, we've got a lot to talk about. You know, of course, our, our, our audiences, uh, they're rabid wrestling fans they loved that era the of the 80s and the 90s uh when i I think it's never been matched to this day uh wherever professional wrestling was going on um but i have to tell you 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 know you had me welled up this morning i i uh, took a look at your uh, champion of choices uh, website and i i had been looking at it during the week but i really i sat down this morning before we got on this call and i looked at, at a few of the videos and folks yes we will get to wrestling but Man, I have to tell you, and maybe maybe all of your uh, training, you know, I, I don't know how you look back on it, but maybe it was preparing you for what your real mission in life was. Uh, but really, uh, I have to tell you, it, it was just so powerful. So powerful. Thank you, Sean. You know, I, I just found an amazing way to connect with young people and, and even adults. I mean, anyone that we do corporations and it's it's amazing when you do some of the big corporations that I do and you see so many people that have been emotionally affected by it. But, you know, it really makes them to to uh, evaluate their own life and become a better husband, parent, friend, whatever, boss, you know, yeah. uh, employee. And, uh, but the students are really my passion because, yeah. you know, Sean, we're just losing so many kids to suicide, self-harm, bullying. And, um, I really, really feel a calling to, to go to, you know, to go as many of these presentations as possible. Yeah. And, uh, you know, folks, I was, <laughs> I was looking at your schedule, Mark, my God. And that's another thing maybe wrestling prepared you for. You have all these dates coming up. You can go months and months, but most of the time you're doing two presentations a day uh yeah we've done up to five in a day you know it's two or three a day but it's, it's, it's funny sean i remember when i when i retired from the wwe and i thought to myself oh my gosh thank goodness no more travel we used to 250 cities a year yeah. i mean we did 293 events last year in 35 states and three countries you know yeah. And, uh, you know, the, I, you're going on more than 10 years now, I think, since you've been doing this. But now more than ever, you mentioned uh, the issues that we are seeing today and what uh, ki- kids are dealing with. And we're losing so many. Uh, do you feel that way? I mean, really now more than ever? Uh, you know, Sean, it's it, it, it breaks my heart. You know, I, I've been to a couple schools this year, or this past school year. One school had six suicides and one school had seven suicides. Wow. And when you think about this many young people that feel hopeless or helpless, it, it just breaks your heart. It gives me more of a, a, I don't know, of an honor or passion to try and help and save these kids. And we, we have really made a difference in so many kids' lives that um, it, it just propels you to want to do more. And, and we kick off, this is going to be our 12th year now uh, presenting at schools uh, all around the world. We even went to Russia and spoke at schools out in Russia. So it was incredible. Wow. So you're worldwide now. It is. It's really taken off. We go to Guatemala next month. And really? We'll doing, uh, schools and um, uh, parent events also where, where we can get a lot of the parents to come out and, and kind of understand what a lot of these kids go through. Because sometimes these kids don't really have that the communication with their parents the way, you know, they, they hold a lot of things inside. And especially most of these kids that have ended their life, you know, we yeah. always hear from the parent, if if he or she only told me or we only talked about what she was going or he was going through, we would have, we would have helped him. Yeah. Well, uh, folks, I, we're going to circle around back to this. We'll talk a lot more about uh, champion of choices and bad, which uh, comes in from, uh, you know, Johnny B bad, but uh, that's a big slogan of yours is be against destructive decisions. And, uh, we're going to talk about that, but I, I think that your path to where you are today, you know, uh, starts from your beginnings. Um, I know you were, uh, I believe you were born in Buffalo, New York. You know, I, I was born in Rochester. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah so you, you no know, cold weather <laughs> early on, but <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> but, uh, you know, in, in most cases, when you talk to people, uh, you know, their childhood, of course, plays a big role in it. And you always you, you talk about the uh, the influence of your mother. Um, I, you don't mention your father, but, I, you know, I grew up uh, with, uh, you know, four other siblings and my mom raised us uh, on a school teacher's salary. So I, I, you know, early on, my mom's my hero, too. She this is somebody who we could have ended up in foster homes and she could have given up the house, but she just refused to do it. And for you, was was this kind of delaying the path um, for you when you were a kid, uh, how the, it would affect you throughout your life? Um, not having that that positive male role model around. Well, you know, you know, Sean, I did have a positive role model. My dad was in my life. My parents were divorced, uh-huh. and, and and it was a little difficult because we lived in a really really rough section on the west side of Buffalo, New York. Uh-huh. And, but my dad would pick us up every Sunday, or my dad would go to my sporting events. So it wasn't like he wasn't in my life. We were very close, and you know, well, I always considered him <laughs> my my best friend. But it was really my mother that really you know, inspired and instilled so many values in us. And even though, you know, we didn't heed to it at the time or, you know, we, we did a lot of, oh gosh, just such a horrible and detrimental things to my mom that what we, we what we put her through being arrested and uh, 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 drugs and, and, and all the craziness that we went through. But, you know, it's amazing because I, I really believe that I became the mom, the person my mom always knew I would be, even uh-huh. though she didn't get to see it. I know she prayed for me all the time. She she just seen this in me, this person in me. And I know now she knows. I mean, I have this this faith that, you know, she's in heaven and that uh, she knows what I'm go- I'm doing and, and helping people. And I know how proud of, of me she is. Well, so what led you to that uh, that dark path? Because I mean, you, you played hockey. You were quite a hockey player and and football. And then you said you did, you know, have that. Even though your parents were divorced, but your father was in your life was a a positive influence. What do you, what led you to to get into trouble and be with a, a bad crowd? Well, first of all, it, you know, it was very successful in sports, like you said, but it was yeah. uh, boxing that really took off for me. And I won the New York State Golden Gloves. I won the, the remember the Empire State Games. I won the gold medal. Oh, yeah, it's huge. And uh, I, I eventually turned professional in boxing. And two weeks before my first professional boxing match, I was on pace to do something great in that sport. Two weeks before my first uh, boxing match, I had my nose shattered in an accident. I needed reconstructive surgery. And I'll never forget, it was in that time off. I remember my whole life, all I did was train. I mean, every sport I excelled in, I worked so hard in, I trained so hard. And I remember that this was the first time I really felt like I had almost like a vacation or, or because I couldn't train. So it was like some time off. And man, I got hooked up with some bad people. And I, and I say bad with the wrong people, you know, people that were into drugs and, mm-hmm. and partying and going out. And I, I thought it was so much fun. And then when I first started doing drugs, I, I got hooked on it, you know, and that was, you know, I remember I kept thinking, I'm coming back in one year, I'm going to be champ of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, one year turned into two years, then four years, then 10 years of my life of drug addiction. And how old are you when this started? Um, when this started, I was, um, gosh, I was in my late teens, probably 19, mm-hmm. 18, 19, right after, right after high school and, um, doing drugs all that time. And then I'll never, I'll never forget. I was, um, ended up building swimming pools in, in Florida, made my way down there and we were still dealing drugs. I was about 30 years old and I had a bunch of buddies over my apartment when we were watching one of my friends had the remote control and he was flipping to the TV channels and he landed on professional wrestling, WCW professional wrestling, you know, six Oh five, you know? Yeah. And, uh, we, st- we, I said, hold on, stop it there. Let me see this, you know? And as we're watching it, you know, we're, th- my friends are making comments about the wrestlers and the matches and stuff. And I'm never forgetting. I just go, Hey guys, I can do that. And they laugh so hard. They go, Mark, <laughs> Are you crazy? Look at the size of those guys, you know? I remember just thinking. So anyways, at the gym I trained at, there was a couple guys that were like enhancement guys for WCW. And um, I asked them how you get into it. And they told me about uh, Dean Malenko's father's, the great Malenko, Boris Malenko. Yeah. He had a he had a wrestling school in Tampa, Florida, which is only about, I don't know, maybe an hour or so away from Venice where I was living. And I started driving up there on like weekends and, and, and after work and stuff. 
And that's when I first started training in wrestling. And then I, I became one of those guys that, you know, gets beat up on television for like 150 bucks, you know? Yeah. And it was Dusty Rhodes that saw me. He was booking at the time. And after my match, um, he asked me into his office and he said, hey, kid, anybody ever tell you, you look like little Richard? Mm. And at the time, I was thinking he was talking about a wrestler. I said, who's little Richard? And he goes, <laughs> you know, a loo, bomb, a whomp, <laughs> and I go, man, I never heard that before. He goes, really? I got a gimmick for you. And that's how the Johnny B. Bad character was, was born. Yeah. So this whole time, though, I mean. First of all, you, you're kind of late getting into professional wrestling. I, I, you know, Diamond Dallas Page maybe beat you by a, a few years. <laughs> yes. But really, that's kind of late to get in there. And you just don't walk into the Malenkos and say, hey, train me. Uh, was it because you were a pretty gifted athlete and uh, had a great look? Yeah, you know, at the time I was, uh, you know, even though I was partying all the time, I was still at the gym. I had a good, good physique. And, um, you know, and you, you, you have to pay, you know, you pay, he didn't charge you a lot, but he, you know, we, we paid a little bit to train there. It was very reasonable. And, um, you know, I trained with a lot of other new guys and, um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget it, man. It was like, um, I just, I just really loved it, you know, and I just really wanted to make it. And, uh, then when I got my break as, as Johnny B. Bad, it's like my, my whole life took off, you know, it's like, I, you know, all of a sudden you sign a big contract and you, you have money that you never made before. And, and, and it was all great. But the problem was, is, you know, at that time, I, it's like getting off drugs and, and then making it. But then there's the nightlife. There's yeah. the bar owners leave the bars open all night. There's, there's women, there's, there's, there's money, there's sex, there's, there's everything, you know, everything that takes you away from what you always wanted to do in your life, you know? And so this whole time, so this whole time though, I mean, you're still doing drugs, but was it just, you were able to control it? It wasn't, no, uh, you no, know. no, no, it got really bad. What, and, I, oh. and this is the story I, I, I've shared only a couple of times, but, um, what happened was, uh, the drug of choice back then was like cocaine. Everybody was pretty much partying on cocaine. And what happened was I started missing shows and you know how that is. You can't miss a, an no. event. your name's no. on, the, on the, on the marquee, man. You don't, you don't miss an event, you know? And uh, I'll never forget that Dusty Rhodes, after missing a couple events, not even showing, you know, you know, the excuse, you know, you, you, you always look like when you're flying out, you, I'll go, oh, you know, I missed my plane. I'll take the next one. I'll take the next one. Then all of a sudden, the, the last one you were going to take is canceled or something happens, you know, mm -hmm. then there's no flights and you're, you're done. And it's, that happened to me a couple of times, but Dusty Rhodes called me into his office at the CNN Center. And when I came into his office, you know how jovial dusty was and fun and he's always laughing and he's just a great guy you know i never seen him so sad and so serious and he said so it me, wasn't mad it was just disappointment oh it was like like heartbreaking you know uh -huh. he just looked at me and he said with this really stern look and sadness about him he just goes kid i made you and i can break you he goes, if you miss one more show, you're done. Mm. And I was like, wow, this dream I've had of making it in something, you know, doing something great in this world is about to be taken away. And I was thinking, man, I got to get off these drugs. You know, I got to get off. I got to stop doing this. And, you know, and then I was able to control it enough to where I didn't miss the shows, but still partying and, and doing stupid things, you know? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I, I got, I got married. It was, um, 1994 when I married Rena that we both just really turned our lives around, you know, got off the drugs and, and everything cleaned up and, and really find, found our faith too. started to go to church. And I, I adopted uh, her daughter at the time it was Mariah, five years old at the time. And we really started living a, a good life. And then a couple of years later, I got the call up to go to, um, WWE, and that's when I brought her with me to WWE. So, uh, you know, backing up a little bit on this, and uh, maybe at the time, th did it seem uh, easy for you? Because it's you know, this stuff just doesn't happen. I and mean, we, we know, Mark, we can talk about the thousands and thousands of, you know, guys out there that had the look, that maybe even had the talent, that never got the opportunity that, that you got to, to be with the WCW at the time, which... Mm -hmm. Certainly hadn't reached the heights it was going to get to, but it was uh, very well known. Some huge names there that uh, you got to work with, you know, with Sting and DDP and, you know, 
Scott yeah. Hall, I guess at the time was Diamond yeah, Stud. You know, I mean, did you realize at the time the opportunities you had been getting and maybe that slap in the face from Dusty made you wake up? What what was well, uh, what, one of the hardest things was is being so green. You know, I mean, when you're mm-hmm. just thrown out there and it wasn't like there was you know, we didn't have the performance center. We had the power plant, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Back then. And I remember D- Diamond Dale's Page is one of my closest friends in the world. We were just uh, together a couple of nights ago. He was training over at the yeah. center. Love DDP. And he, uh, we went to dinner together. And then uh, last month I stayed at his house for a few days and we, we just are real tight, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, back then we were always, we always been tight and uh, we would go down to the, uh, the, the power plant back then and work on, on stuff, you know? And because uh, I wanted to get better, I mean, it was embarrassing. Like they're putting me over all these top guys. Yeah. The time when I first came in, that been around the business for years, and you know, they're having trouble working with me, and I'm not knowing. I don't know a lot of the moves that they did, you know. And you try to, but I was a gifted athlete, so I picked it up fairly quick, you know. Yeah. Um. And, and there's so many guys. I mean, I could give a list of guys that can really give a, a lot of credit to, you know. Uh, you know, back then when uh, Triple H was uh, um, uh, Jean Paul Levesque, he, mm-hmm. he helped me out. Steve Regal, man, that, those guys, uh, Scott Levy, um, guys that were just really patient, working with me in the ring and helping me, and then discussing the match with me after, and and giving me pointers and helping me. And and even though they're putting me over these guys, they still took the time to to help me. And I I just look back, you know, and you know maybe at the time I didn't give them the credit they deserved. Cause you're so caught up in stuff, you know, but when you look back on your life, you can really evaluate things. And there's so many people that I, I look forward to meeting in person again. So I could thank them for all the effort they put into helping me uh, have an, a, a remarkable career. I mean, it was uh, 14 years on and off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, tell us about that relationship though, with, with Rena, everybody knows, of course, is Sable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were married in 94. How did you first meet? And then how did that, uh, end up that you guys got together and were married? Oh gosh, it was really funny. Um, we were wrestling in Jacksonville, Florida, and I think I was with, um, I know I was with Marcus Bagwell I'm trying to think who else was. Oh, I was with, it was DDP. Yeah. No, me, of course. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're traveling together and we stopped yeah. at a restaurant. It was like a, a buffet. And, um, we, we used to play this game, <laughs> so stupid, but uh, I ain't even admitting this. It was called Give Her Your Best Line, where oh, if boy. I said to Marcus, Marcus, we see a nice looking girl or something, we go, give her your best line. And then you'd have to try to come up with something to either get a date or meet them or get a phone number or something, you know? And most of the time we just did it, we'd laugh our heads off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think it was my turn and, and uh, um, Buff and DDP. Oh, we were in line in the buffet. And all of a sudden, at the end of this line, there was this beautiful girl. And uh, we're, all, I, we're all like, oh, she's that girl over there? And uh, DDP and Buff go, give her your best line. I go, oh, man. So now the pressure's on. But what I did, I tried to be really creative. So <laughs> creative. And I worked when I was in elementary school. What I did was when I came to the... Um, uh, the, 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 where you cash out after you order your food and you cash out at the end of the, the, uh, buffet line. Um, I, I gave this lady a note. It says, do you like me? Yes or no. Yeah. <laughs> With the boxes. So stupid, right? <laughs> and I said, see that girl at the end of the line there, when she comes by, give it to her and tell her it's for me. So sure enough, she gave her the note and the, and, uh, Rena didn't really sell it. She just kind of took the note. Well, about, I don't know, 15 minutes later, we were getting just about getting ready to leave. And the waitress comes over to me and hands me this note. And she wrote in maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So before I left, I said, um, you know, hey, we're wrestling in Jacksonville tonight. And she knew who we were. She just never let on to it. And I left her her and her friends tickets to come in. And that's when we first started, um, you know, hanging out together and, and eventually, um, you know, she be, she would become my my wife, and I'd I'd adopt her child, and and Mariah. In fact, Mariah, she's uh, 28 now, and she's she's coming uh, next month to stay with us for. Uh, we're taking her to Disney, and my granddaughter. So it's going to be a, a great time. But anyways, to make a long story short. That's that's how we met. We eventually got married in '94, and of course, I was still with WCW. And then when I went to WWE, I one thing I noticed, and and Sean, you you can attest this in the, in, the, in the business we were in. Most people get divorced. I mean, oh, there's yeah. a lot yeah. of strong marriages that made it through wrestling, you know? Yeah. 
and just getting married and 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 having faith and and wanting to just be a good husband man i thought you know what i don't want to travel without my wife so vince offers me this first of all it was the first guaranteed contract a big deal and um he offered me a big signing bonus and after i got his offer i said vince there's only one thing i want more than than, than what you offered me was i want my wife to fly everywhere i fly mm-hmm. and he was like dumbfounded he goes i i never heard that before yeah and, but yeah. here's my idea maybe she could be my valet and he goes well let's just worry about you you know i mean he didn't even he never saw her he never knew what she looked like you know mm-hmm. so he sent me a ticket to fly to new york to sign my contract and when he got the ticket i, I called him up i said vince um my wife doesn't have a ticket he goes i got a flyer to do the signing I go, she goes everywhere I go. Mm. And he goes, all right. So sure enough, they sent her a ticket. We um, walked into Vince's office. And when he saw her, he said, mm. I got to put you on TV. I mean, wow. she's is a beautiful girl. And uh, that then that day we went through all these names and we came up with the name Sable. And uh, then they, you know, the creative came up with a chemic, the character, wild man, Mark Merrill. And um, it was, you know, it was very difficult at first. Like, what was a wild man? Going from this flamboyant, over-the-top character, Johnny B. Bad, to wild man, Mark Merrill. What am I, from the jungle? What am yeah, I? You know? yeah. And I remember Vince saying to me, can you do like a Tarzan yell? And I said, Vince, I don't have a strong voice, you know? <laughs> I really don't. I can't even yell, you know? Yeah. It was very hoarse. So, anyways, it, we um, it made my debut against um, um, Glenn Jacobs, Kane. Back then, he was Isaac Yankum. Yeah, God. Uh, made my debut against him, and he's such a good worker. It made me made me look really good my, on my 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 debut match, and um, and of course, it wasn't long after that um, I won the Intercontinental Title, and things were going well. But then I blew out my knee, yeah, and I needed uh, total reconstruction of my knee. It was eight months off, and during that time off, they used. Sable to advertise like Austin 316 shirts or merchandise or whatever. And she would like get this amazing pop, you know, like yeah. people were cheering for. Her. So it really took off. And so the, the idea was when we came back, make me this jealous, let's change my character, make me into kind of a heel. And we went with the marvelous Mark Merrill from my former boxing days gimmick. And we were um, at, at adversaries, you know. And it, it just it just really worked at the time, you know, because of them loving her and and, and disliking me. But you know what? I, and and you know, of course, um, I'd let her take advantage of me, power bomb me, or beat me up. And and of course, it did not sit well with the other guys. Say so they're going, you, you ruined your career, man. But you know, Sean, at the time, yeah, this is prior to China. Yeah, you to get away with it. Yeah, yeah, you know, this is like um, when you're in love and you're, you realize you're going to be together the rest of your life. Like they're, they're backing up the, tr- the Brinks truck to our house at the time, you know, and you're thinking, wow, this is amazing. I don't care if who's over We're one of us is over, you know, we're, we're making a lot of money. I'm on a guaranteed contract. I got paid the same whether I win or lose, you know? And, um, you know, looking back of your life, you think, man, was that the right move to do? But I wouldn't have changed one thing in my life. I, all the paths I took ended up to right where I'm at now and I couldn't be more fulfilled or happier in, in the life I have now. So I think if you change something in the past, it could change something in the future. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's the way you have to look at it because you can't change it and you have to keep moving <laughs> forward. But I want to I back up on this. Even before you came to the, the WWF uh, at the time, um, had Rena been involved in any you know, of uh, wrestling at all, all until she went there and, to the WWF and Vince saw her? Uh, had she ever been involved in any of the gimmicks that you did or, or any of the angles you'd done uh, with the WCW, or was she always in the background? Always housewife, took care of our daughter. Uh. Uh, we had a beautiful home, took care of all that. Uh, they had no interest in it at, at that, but it was it was my idea when I said, hey, when, we, when, when I go to WWE, I really want you to come with me, and uh. that's when we came up with the idea, maybe it'd be a good idea to have her do this. She's going to be with me anyways. Why not? Have her do my, right. you know, be a valet. Never thinking of her being a wrestler, though. Yeah. You know? Well, you mentioned you mentioned uh, you, that relationships do not last very long. Uh, yeah. we, we saw you know, we can name hundreds of examples that uh, where families did not 
do well uh, with this with that schedule back then. It was just insane. But at the same time, did you also look at somebody like Randy Savage? Now that was a kind of a cautionary tale as well with uh, Elizabeth. Did you uh, were you aware of that at the time? That you were just thinking, well, that's not going to happen to us. Yeah, I mean, you know, Sean, when you look back and you you think that you've seen examples of of relationships that didn't work, even though they worked together, um, many of them. And, uh, but you always think yours is going to be different. You know, yeah. your marriage is going to survive. You know, this is, uh, we're, we're different than they are, you know? And, um, you know, it's unfortunate. It's just a very tough business to maintain a, a strong, faithful, honest relationship. Yeah. And, and, uh, at the same time, you know, uh, you mentioned it, it wasn't easy with the boys and there was probably a combination of things involved here. First of all, they're thinking you're getting special treatment because you're traveling with your wife. And then you come in and within six months, uh, you're the intercontinental champion. How, uh, difficult was it backstage? What was that life like for you with your peers? No, Sean, that's a great question. I think even more so than what you just said was I was also getting a guaranteed contract. Yeah. Mm. Many guys were paid by the house and we, you know, yeah. sometimes we weren't always drawing the best and they weren't making very great paychecks. So there was a lot of animosity and, you know, it's so weird because I didn't really see it as much back then. When I look back on it, I could understand how, you know, people treated me or, um, and, and, and we were in our own world. I mean, we're here and with my wife all the time, you know, we're like aloof or we're together all the time. I'm eating all my meals with her. I'm not like really being one of the boys. Like I was with WCW traveling and having fun and going out to the bars and I'm not doing it at WWE. Yeah. And I just seen that there was, and became a lot of animosity towards me. And, you know, to this day, Sean, if I ever acted like a, a, a jerk to people, Gosh, I am so sorry. You know, I never it was my intentions uh, to ever be rude to someone, especially how I deal with people on, on a daily basis today, knowing how your words or actions can affect other people that, um, you know, you know, from my from the bottom of my heart, I am totally sorry for ever offending or hurting anyone. You know, if I ever look, acted aloof or, or rude or said things that um, offended somebody. Yeah. And, and so you, you have this immediate success. Um, you don't hold, hold on to that belt long and then you get a major injury really for a wrestler to be out that long, uh, for six months, eight months. And, what was it? Eight. That's right. Eight, eight, eight months. months. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a long one. So in the meantime, you're basically, you, I mean, are you sitting at home? Are you still traveling? Cause you know, Sable's getting this gigantic push. No, no, she's on the road by herself now. I'm, I'm staying home. I'm taking wow. care of our daughter. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, and, and like I said, I'm, I'm total, total reconstruction of my, my knee, my, my um, ACL, meniscus, um, medial collateral, all blown out, you know? So it's like, you know, almost like walking over again, you know? And it so was how did that long- affect your relationship during that period of time? Because this is, things really began to change after that. I'm not saying necessarily personally with your, your, uh, your marriage, but your, your job with the WWF. Well, you know, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm on a guaranteed contract, so I got a long-term deal. So that's not going to change anytime soon. But, um, you know, um, when you, you know, you feel you have a strong marriage and and you're going to make it through this, this time, and, uh, I mean, she wasn't on the road, like doing house shows. So she wasn't gone that much. I mean, she was basically doing, uh, television pay-per-views and things like that. So it wasn't, you know, every week she was traveling for a couple of days, but it wasn't, it wasn't like she's on the road all the time. So it wasn't yeah. too bad. Yeah. Can you honestly say that when you saw this happening, that she really started to, to skyrocket and become really popular that you really felt like this is this is good for both of us, and uh, you know, and the relationship didn't change. Man, I tell you, Sean, at that time, I couldn't have been more proud of her because remember, she came out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, she yeah. grew up really poor, and you know, I mean, she came from. Man, when I met her, she was like on, uh, uh, her, you know, her, her husband was killed in a car accident. Yeah. She's yeah. raising a daughter. She's on, um, you know, aid from the state. Um, you know, just living a tough life. And then all of a sudden seeing this amazing person do this, you know, to the heights of the wrestling. I mean, 
it was incredible. I was so proud of her and, and uh, couldn't be happier for, for both of us. So when you did come back though, you, 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 you've mentioned that it was never the same. What had changed as far as their attitude toward uh, attitude towards you? Well, I, I had to change my, my, my in-ring style quite a bit. I was doing a lot of high flying stuff before that. And of course uh-huh. my knee, I, I didn't want to risk it, you know, as much as I would do, you know, three or four moves off the top rope during a match and, you know, limited a lot of that stuff. Um, but, you know, because the character was basically made to fail, I mean, and be the, to get the, the character was basically made to get Sable over, you know, mm-hmm. being the, the fall guy, being the guy that she can beat on or, you know, make look silly every time I'm, I'm trying to, um, cover her up and make her wear a potato sack and underneath that she's got a, a bikini on, you know, yeah. she always came out on top on every little thing that we would do, you know, and, and Vince Russo did a lot of the writing back then and, and came up with all these, you know, kind of funny, but, but creative ideas to always bring her out on top. And and I was fine with it. I mean, this is my wife. I, I, I really wanted to make it work and I'm a team player. I wanted to give her the best, you know, she got huge ratings when she was on back then. Did you ever object to some of the things they, they had her do? That was, it was like a period of time there, but man, did they push the envelope, not just with Sable, but with, uh, a lot of the females that were involved. Did you ever really object to that or was it always, well, you know, this is, uh, this is getting over and, uh, you know, I don't know how she felt about it, but did you ever really, were you uncomfortable with a lot of that material? You know, Sean, I, I got to tell you, when I when I look back on my life and I, I see the things that I allowed my wife at the time to do or was a part of it, it's um, somewhat embarrassing. Now, I, I know I'm forgiven and you have to forgive yourself, too. You can't live your, you can't live with resentment or bitterness and, and, and stuff like that. You just can't. You have to forgive yourself. And 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 uh, but when I look back on it, I, I was um, gosh, I, I just. I couldn't imagine doing something like that today. You know, I, my, my life is so different now. And, uh, but when I look back on some of the things that we did and we were involved in, you just got to shake your head and, and, and chalk it up to a major learning experience in your life. Well, how did Rena feel about some of the stuff Did she really object at the time or did she, you know, this is what the character is. Yeah. I think at the time, you know, we were both so caught up in, uh, um, you know, getting her over and realizing that this is a a major. Uh, I mean, other than Steve Austin, I think she got one of the biggest pops of the night when she came out. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they really went crazy for her, and yeah. you get caught up in that. It's like an addiction. It's like a, you know, you it's you, you really get caught up in it. And uh, I think at the time we were both just caught up in, in, in that moment of really wanting to make it work and get over and, and, you know, with her spot on that television, if you say no, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that jump in right after yeah. that would do it. Yeah. There's always somebody there. Sure. And so for, for, how about, how about for you during that period of time? Um, you said that, you know, that, that character was basically there to, to put Sable over, uh, but did it start to affect you? And when did it, you know, start to go bad. Well, Sean, to be totally honest with you, you know, and honest with myself and I'm, yeah. you know, I look back on even, even saying this, it's when, when Playboy first came and offered us this huge deal to do Playboy and they offered this deal where she would get a quarter in issue over their normal sales. Well, of course, Vince really pushed that on television and it became one of the fastest selling in Playboy history, mm-hmm. you know, and she, you know, made a lot of money. We made a lot of money on this, on this Playboy, but you know, it was so hard about it. And even looking back at my life and even embarrassing to say this, but I have to admit my faults too. I'm certainly not perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time we were thinking, wow, this is so much money. This is like life changing money. And, yeah. but we are Christians. We are going to church. We are, you know, praising God and, and living a, a nice life. And all of a sudden this comes into our life. And I'll never forget, we were sitting at a table and we were discussing it. Oh, should we do this? Should we not do this? And then it was like, God will forgive us. Uh-huh. But see, 
with that, God does forgive you, but there's consequences to our actions in life. Uh-huh. And I really believe that if I look back on my life, I really believe that was the beginning of the end of our relationship. Mm. No, and although there was many other things after that that happened, but that was really the beginning, and that was the consequences. I think we both we both paid for um, for wanting to do something that was um, against our, our, our maybe our beliefs or our, our 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 life at the time. You know. Yeah, and you know, you you look at it from that viewpoint of uh, you know this incredible success. You may start thinking like all the things you can do. But, um, you know, you can't, you can't fix it. And you don't realize at the time that the damage it's, it's, uh, having on your relationship and then there's nothing you can do about it. It's done. No. Is that kind of what you You felt? I mean, I I don't know if it took a matter of three, four years. You know, it it happened. Everything started happening so fast. I mean, next thing you know, Playboy's right back. Let's do it again. You know? And, and I think she ended up doing like four, four covers, you know? Yeah. And and there was a, there was it's, it was a lot of money and a lot of uh, notoriety. Next thing you know, you're at parties at the Playboy Mansion all the time. There's all these new people coming into your life that probably don't have the best um, <laughs> character, and um, and then ended ended up quitting wrestling. You know, ended up um, uh, suing the WWE for sexual harassment. My 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 ex wife Sable did, and. Yeah. Uh, we quit, so we were done. And then we went to Hollywood, and she wanted to do movies, and she did a couple movies and and a couple things out there. And I'll never forget that she said to me, um, "What would you What would you think if I called Vince to go back?" I said, "Are you crazy? Yeah, yeah. You sued them to, and we left ten million dollars. Yeah, it wouldn't be safe to go back there." And she told me that she called Vince, and Vince was open for it. And I was blown away. I was like, wow. And so I became the stay-at-home dad, and she went on the road. And it was shortly after that that, um, you know, was, it wasn't long after that that she went back to wrestling. Um, you know, her her and Brock Lesnar became a, um, an item. And they eventually, you know, we got divorced. They got married, and they have kids. And, gosh, I couldn't I, – I, I wish them all the best in the world. Like, like I said, all the paths we took in our life – ended up to where I'm at now. And um, I couldn't be more blessed and, and happier now in my life, no matter what bad mistakes yeah. I made back then. Was there a point, though, during that, that you said, hey, you know, hey, uh, I mean, you were second. You were like uh, in the shadows now. Was there a point where you said, you know, hey, that, that was supposed to be me. I, I was supposed to be. No, not really, Sean. I mean, it, unfortunately, it, it became a, a a runaway train. Eventually, you know, it became mm-hmm. like you can't stop it now. You know, um, and then you know them wanting her to wrestle, and then of course I wanted to be real protective of her when she wrestled. So I was yeah. like, usually in the matches or there, um, you know, I, I helped train her to get her prepared for. I mean, there was very little she could do because it was, uh, you know, all of a sudden she's on a wrestling in wrestlemania you know she never even wrestled you know so yeah. it was uh it was we, we we had a limit to what she could do but she did a great job of the little things that she did do she really you know would bring down the house and those little little things of like tackling someone and or doing a move and she did some crazy moves too yeah so i mean it ends up that way and in some ways it seems she was a victim of her own success and, and maybe that's still a choice that she doesn't regret but at this point in time, what was your life like? Because it, you say uh, in your in your uh, talks that you lost everything. Yeah. When when was that? Well, Sean, you know, um, during d- during my marriage with Rena, I lost my 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 mom died uh, at fifty eight. Mm. Uh, two weeks later, my twenty one year old brother died. Mm. Um, my uh, my sister died earlier at twenty one from cancer. Uh, my dad died while I was holding in my arms, and then oh, my my ex wife Rena left me, and I remember it was the lowest point of my life. It's like, how much how much can your heart take? You know, losing everybody and everything that mattered to you. And my other brother Joel was incarcerated in prison. My other sister mm. Jody tried to end her life through an overdose of 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 uh, pills. It was like everything was like the perfect storm in my life, and then. It was Christmas Day, and I found myself all alone, no place to go. And I remember just the depression. 
And, and, and this is the weirdest thing. Through our struggle, we find our strength. But this is the biggest blessing in my life. Mm. If I ever, if I never understood or knew that feeling, I would never be as successful as I am today, helping, changing, and even saving lives all over the world. Yeah. Do you remember that date, that Christmas? When uh, what, what was it? Two thousand three. What? Yeah, what, what? two thousand three. And wow. uh, it was. Uh, I, I remember just had no place to go. And what I did was I drove to uh, Cocoa Beach, Florida. I was living in, in, in the Orlando area. I drove to Cocoa Beach, Florida. And I remember just sitting under a pier on Christmas day, you know, day you uh. celebrate with family and friends and the tree and presents and music uh. and laughter and food. And I was all alone. And I just remember, man, I, I once made it. I once had it all. I was once rich, <laughs> you know, and now no mom or dad to call. You know, my little brother and sister are gone. Jeez. My my ex-wife is gone. And uh, we weren't even divorced then. It was 2003. We got we ended up getting divorced a year later, 2004. Yeah. But she was already gone, you know, from, from our home and our my life. She already made the move. But, uh, man, I, I got to tell you, Sean, the, the greatest gift, though, is not having the resentment or bitterness or un, especially unforgiveness, man. If you don't forgive, right. you either forgive or you relive. And right. uh, I, I can actually talk about it. And yeah, sure, there's a sadness about it, but there's not like a a, a regret or um, because now you look at all the all the blessings that happened out of that yeah. situation yeah. And, and so many lives that are being changed and saved. So if I could ever say anything to my ex-wife is two words. Thank you. Mm. But did you, uh, you know, at this point you've mentioned that you nearly lost your life three times, uh, yeah. drug use. Yeah. Was this, uh, were there episodes prior or, or one to come? I mean, well, I, did you what, crawl well, in a hole? What happened? Not. One of them happened, um, while I was wrestling at uh, a WCW event was, we were in a, the locker room that they, they put us in. They had all this pharmaceutical stuff that was kind of locked up. And, and, and I, I don't remember how, if we broke in or if it was oh, if the door was open, but there was certain stuff in there. And I don't even know yeah. what it was. And I was with, um, I probably shouldn't say their names. I don't want to, um, okay. you That's know, fine. <laughs> anybody, okay. but um, I was with a few of the wrestlers and uh -huh. we into some stuff and we started sniffing it. And it was mm. like, oh, my gosh, this gets you so high. And next thing I know, I passed out. I mean, I was like dead. Mm. And um, they they carried, helped me to a, um, I don't remember this happening, this is what I was told later, but they helped me to one of the rental cars and put me in the back seat, thinking I was just passed out. Or, and um, I, I don't remember waking up till the next day. And I knew yes. that night I, I should have been dead, you know. And then the other the other couple of times were with with friends when we were um, smoking crack or coke or whatever. And I remember just taking a hit and all of a sudden waking up a couple of days later, you know, things like that. Uh, uh, so this was prior to 2003, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. OK. Yeah. So why didn't you why didn't you go back to that life or, or did you or what you know, what happened from that point forward until you really uh, found the path that you're on now? Um, well, 2003 was, a, a, you know, I had a real spiritual awakening, uh, like a, a, a re rebirth in my life, a rededication to Christ and, and, and everything changed, man. Everything changed. I, I went and became, well, at the time I'm 43 years old too. So it wasn't like I was going to go back and do a full schedule again, or, or wanted to after 14 surgeries, you know, yeah. um, it, I, I started becoming a personal trainer. I really liked that because I loved helping people, you know, and then I ended up uh, opening my own gym, had my own um, employees, and it went Body Slam for, Training Institute. It was called Body Slam, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I enjoyed that for a few years, but then I started speaking at schools. And oh, how did that happen, though? I mean, would somebody say, "Hey, you know what? I bet your story would be would really yeah. resonate with kids"? You know, or how? Did that great question. There's two types of people. There's people who say something needs to be done, and then there's a person who says, "I want to go out there and do something." And yeah. I think through, through so many years of my life, I'd always say, "Why don't they do this about that, or do this about this?" You know, and and I have a story. I have something to share with people that I think could really help people. You know, and I went to schools. I started speaking, and it slowly took off. You know, there were some bumps in the road, like, 
you yeah. know, how do you connect with middle or high school or college? God, yeah, no kidding. You know, <laughs> they're the worst audience, man. You walk yeah. out, they're, they're talking to each other, they're rude. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're, they're, they're laughing at the sneakers you're wearing or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, then, I don't know, something amazing happened. I, um, I remember, like, when I first started, it was like the old – Here's your brain. Here's your brain on drugs. Don't do drugs. Drugs can kill you, you know. And kids They're rolling kill. their eyes. Yeah. And and as remember as um my my wife Darlene and I, she she went to one of my presentation after presentation. We, we had this long talk. She says, How come you're not sharing your story? And it was like a light bulb went off. It was like, oh my gosh. So we went up and found like in a closet of all old videotapes and pictures of our family that passed on and really cool stuff, you know. And I started putting together this multimedia presentation. And next thing I know, I want to go into schools. All of a sudden, you're getting all these letters from kids on how it changed their life. It saved their life. Parents are calling the off and saying, my kid came home and told me they loved me. What did you say to them? You know, <laughs> and it was like one thing after another. And all of a sudden, the video goes viral. And millions and millions of people are seeing this video. And the phone starts ringing off the hook. We had like 3,000 booking requests the first month of video. And now I'm going all over the country, all over the world. And and it just took off, Sean. I, I, I could have been more like, wow, God really had a plan here, you know? Yeah. yeah. And uh, so that's uh, how the whole thing changed. And now, like I said, I'm in my 12th year presenting at schools and churches and corporations. Yeah, uh, uh, I was going to ask that when did it become this organized, you know, uh, champion of choices? Uh, here you start out, yeah, people, uh, can you come talk at the school? It works. And when did you say, we need to organize this? Uh, <laughs> well, it was, it was shortly. It, it, it happened pretty quick. And really? uh, I got a great staff. I got a staff that's so passionate. They're, I mean, they're just like me. They love the kids. They love helping kids. They go out of their way. They work seven days a week. The, the, like when you call or text or something, they answer. And, uh, um, but then we, we hooked up. You know, when I first started, I really thought that the only way you're going to uh, captivate students is with entertainment. You know, that's what, that's mm-hmm. what I thought at the time. So I went and got this amazing um, uh, dance team. Uh, we, we put an ad in the paper and we do these rehearsals and and next thing you know we're doing thriller at schools and I'm I'm wearing a Michael Jackson jacket and I'm doing a, I learned all that stuff you know yeah, yeah. and it was really it was really funny but um and and then my kids they went to uh like they went to America's Got Talent and they came they went to the quarterfinals of America's Got Talent they, they're called Team Extreme uh-huh. in a couple of years ago they went to the finals or the quarterfinals and I mean they're amazing dancers but we toured all over but the problem with touring with that many people was the expenses were so yeah have a right. lot of money for for anti-bullying or suicide prevention messages and it, it became very hard because we were trying to figure out how can we fly or travel with all these people and make it financially feasible, you know? Mm-hmm. And so for the first, um, this is my 12th year, so the first, I'd say, seven years, I was with these kids. And uh, then I said, you know what? I'm going to try to do it without them. And what happened was we seen something, the most amazing thing happen. See, when you, when you tell a story and then you stop and you have somebody come out and sing, you go back to your story and then you have someone come out and dance and you go back to your story. You're taken away from the story because it's like, okay, where were we? You know? Right. And so when I decided to do the story straight through, man, I never seen kids so captivated. The tears, the hugging, yeah. the the emotion we had. And then they started busting schools into arenas. And I'm doing eight, ten thousand people. And the, the tears at the top of the arenas and kids crying. And it was just incredible. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, it, it really, it really is. It's, it, it's amazing. Um, when you're doing these and, and you were always great at cutting promos, but who knew this would be your greatest promo of all. Uh, well, I, I appreciate you saying that, Sean. I never thought I was very good at promos. Yeah, wait, really? I thought uh, it was one of my weaker things, but yeah, you know, some, I, it's funny when you say that is that I only wish I could go back to wrestling now at the way I can talk in front of people in front of no matter how big the audience is, you know? But but it's amazing, and I I I mentioned before when we started talking how uh, you know you can look back and and think of all the training that you had for this, uh, being able to be on the road, being able to do all these different shows, and then you know uh, doing this presentation, 
and being as passionate about it and and uh, no question that your message is heartfelt but when you do it over and over and over again and I the video I watched I have to imagine this had I don't know how many times you'd already uh, delivered this message but how do you do that how do you uh, every time when you go out there because you know these audiences have never seen you before it's kind of like these wrestling matches you know you'd go and do these matches how do you keep it that passionate every time because you watch this and folks I'm going to give you you know how you can get in touch with it uh, cut in touch with the, the website here and see these videos they're just amazing how do you do it Sean, that is a great question, and I'll, and I'll tell you exactly how I do it. Um, first of all, it's not a presentation you can just call in. You just can't get up on stage and say, yeah, I lost my mom, my dad, unfortunately. Yeah. You have to – I actually relive those moments. I relive me walking up to my mother's casket and seeing it for the first time, and it brings out an emotion in me that transcends into the audience, and and people feel like they're as if they're there or they think about how it would be to lose their own mom or dad or brother or sister or or, or father or whatever it would be, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just worked. And, and and like I said, every presentation, whether I'm doing one a day or five in a day, I call I, I go to every one and go deep as I possibly can to where I and, and, I, and there's many times I end up crying because I see so many audience members crying, oh, man, yeah, about what they must be going through in their own personal life to be this affected by my presentation. Yeah, and you watch you, you watch the video, and uh, like I told you, I'm watching it. I'm I might I've got tears in my eyes because I'm watching the reaction of these kids, and and I know who they are. I mean, I had teenagers too, where you know they they're they at least try and put that that front up that they're not emotional. They could care less, and how uh, they have no choice. And it's not it wasn't it's not just you know females in the audience. These young men uh, are are the same same thing. Because, and I want to get into this a little bit more with you, Mark, because you're around them a lot more than than I am these days, as far as that that age of of children. That uh, we've really reached a crisis, and and it and the mental illness and which is affecting our country, and we've never really directly paid attention to it. But now with these young kids, and I think back when I was in high school, uh, we never had this things like this happen. There were accidents that happened to kids. But you weren't worrying about the teen suicide, and a kid would say, "I'm going to kill myself." You'd be like, "Yeah, sure." Not now. You have got to listen to that that message. Sean, it's a different world today. You know, yeah. I, I got to tell you, we, we get so many letters from from students, and and you know, when we were when some we were in in school, you kind of knew who the school bully was. <laughs> you mm-hmm. stayed away from that guy or girl, and you know, at the end of the day, you know, the bullying stopped. And today. If a kid is being bullied or harassed, it can be 24-7 because of our social media and and our smartphone. I mean, our smartphone has outsmarted us. It's it's amazing how addicting this this little apparatus has become, that we carry it everywhere we go. As soon as... You know, we always want to find out how many likes, what are people saying, what do people think about me? Um, And it's just it just becomes so addicting with these kids. But, you know, the other side of it is, is the self-harm. You know, Sean, when, when, when I was in school, not only did I didn't even know anybody on medication, more or less self-harming or wanting to kill themselves. And, and I'm not saying that, that there's aren't, there aren't kids that need medication. But, you know, if, I, if a parent is listening to this, I would get a second and a third opinion before I ever put my kid on, on medication. It's very important um, because we... We don't even know the long-term effects when you put a kid that's you know six or seven years old on medication, and then all the way up through you know their 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 teens and then into adulthood, what what effect it may have on them. Mm-hmm. And I, I I saw also on there there's uh, you know testimonials from some of these kids, and and I imagine a lot of them after you talk, you make yourself available. Uh, what have you learned from because you've been all over the country talking to kids from all walks of life. Uh, what have you learned about what's going on with them today? Well, you know, Sean, I, I really have my finger on the pulse of what is happening in, in, in our country, in, in the world, really, you know. And what it is, it's, you know, we could talk about bullying, suicide prevention, substance abuse, all we want. But, Sean, I just see such a breakdown of the family, the the, the core of the family, mm-hmm. the breakdown. So many kids are raised by single parents or, or grandparents. Yeah. Um, and even the parents that are home are are often into their own thing. Uh, so many mm-hmm. parents are even hooked on these games, you know, uh, social media. 
And we, we, you know, you go out to a restaurant and you see uh, a family and kids got earbuds in or they're on their phones. Mm-hmm. It's, we we, we want to talk to everybody but our own family. And, and it's so sad because we've got to start, we, we've got to turn the phones off, turn the, the electronics and social media. We've got to tune into what is truly important because I promise you, when you leave this earth, you are not going to care how many followers you have, how many likes you mm-hmm. got. You're going to say, I want to see my mom, my dad, my wife, my husband, my kids. That's what that's what's important. But this whole life we go through and they don't find that that's the most important thing at the time. Yeah. You know, and I have a I have a nonprofit. It's called Doodads and uh, that uh, it's for to help kids and it, both boys and girls um, who don't have positive male role models in their lives or have lost their fathers or who have been abandoned. And uh, we also help a lot of a lot of the the funding that we we bring in you know we we try and help these single moms because that's where the emergencies are uh you know and it's word of mouth that i hear from people their cars broken down or whatever and and i i see what we're doing and i really uh embrace i love it but at the same time mark i look at i'm like yeah i feel like i put band-aids on and i wish that there was more that uh we could do like programs or, or, or these, the programs that, that really address these issues and help these kids, because there's some really great kids. We have a scholarship fund that we do and, and it's got, it's not based on GPA. We go into these schools and we talk to the administrators and the principals and the coaches. And we say, we know you've got kids that you know are special. They, they are home and they've got a single parent and they are just good people. And you've got to help them uh, move on. And, and we help them with that education. But I just thinking, God, we, we've got to have more programs that really address and get into these schools and help the kids. And I'm sure you see that every day when you're out there. I do, Sean. And, and you know, and I commend you for what you do. And and, and then you say a band-aid, you know, the old the analogy of a starfish, you huh. throw it back in, and you, you save that one you know, at least, right? But you yeah. know, the darker, darker it gets, Sean, the brighter we have to shine. We, we just can't give up the fight, you know? And you're right. There there are, we do need more programs. I mean, what we're seeing, the the um, campus violence we're seeing at schools where kids are so uh, afraid to go to school. I get the letters yeah. all the time. Kids are really scared to go to school today. Because yeah. there's always those kids that they feel may be one of those guys, one of those shooters. So we need to put money into having um uh, police officers at school. It's a real deterrent. It's proven to be a deterrent when you have a police car and police officer in the school. Mm-hmm. And um, so we, we need to really spend money on things. But the programs, like you said, are so important. I, I got to tell you, Sean, we, every time we go to school, there's never been a school. I don't think we've got at least 100 letters from the kids uh, through social media that kids write to us. Mm-hmm. And, and the common theme is it changed my life. But, you know, we're finding kids that, um, you know, are suicidal or self-harming that we've got help for. But I cannot tell you how many times that we've, we've contacted a school and they'll say, oh, well, what does it cost? And I'll give them, I'll, 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 my, my team will give them a price of what it costs to fly us there and bring us to their school. And they say, oh, no, we, we, don't, have, we, we don't have money for that. We don't have, or we don't have time to put the kids together in an assembly. I'm mm-hmm. thinking, man, you don't have you don't have time not to do this, right? You know, <laughs> there exactly. are kids that are are taking their lives or feel hopeless and helpless, and at least we know we can make a difference. But you know, most of the times that we are able to go to a school, it's usually funded by you know the PTA or, or someone, a parent uh, comes up and just helps us out to to uh, bring us there. But it's so sad that we should have the school should have money for anti-bullying, suicide prevention, substance abuse programs at these schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, folks out there, um, thinkpos.org. It's thinkpoz.org. Uh, you get on there, and uh, it explains what uh, uh, Champions of Choices is all about. And uh, is how what is the process though? If, if schools or organizations want to want to book you to come to their school, how does it work? Um, you know, all you do is, like I said, like you said, go to, go to our website. There's a booking um, there's a booking um, form there that you could fill out yeah. uh, for your school, or you can always call us. Our, our number is 407-862-4800. I got a great staff here, and uh, we uh, we just started, you know, booking for for next year. And we we're, we we are usually September October fills up really quick. We we do about thirty events a month, so it's a <laughs> it's a packed schedule. And uh, like I said, we kick it off. We we, kick, we actually kick it off this year on August second. We're doing the uh, return for bus drivers. 
where we do like uh, 800 to 1,000 bus drivers and really encourage them to be that light in a, in, in a dark yeah. place for these kids. Because sometimes these kids that get on a bus, the only happy face that they'll ever see is that bus driver. And that bus driver can make such an impact on their life. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what is, uh, you know, Champion of Choices 2.0? I imagine you're always thinking, what what is beyond this besides you uh, going to school and speaking to these these kids and these parents, I imagine at times, uh, is the, it, it, what is the vision for Champions of Choices? I mean, what would you like to see happen? We wanted to come up with an app, and we just we just came up with an app that we're going to be promoting uh, and 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 bring it out there because we want to have a, something that kids can go instantly. The, the cell phone is instant, so we have an app for the parents and an app for the students. So if they see somebody that, uh, gosh forbid, has a gun or knife. Uh, they can report it anonymously immediately, you know, uh, or if they're being bullied or they would need to talk to someone about it, counseling, uh, parents can, uh, we can use facial recognition. So if a kid opens an account with a fake name and certain words, key words that we, we, we found that we, we deal with these kids all the time. So we know all their key words that they use, uh, abbreviations or acronyms or whatever. And we could find out if a kid is uh, preparing to do something or talking about something. Most of the shooters that we've had have previously talked about wanting to, you know, kill kids or shoot yeah. school or something like that. Wow. Well, I'm sure there's a lot more on the way. Uh, once again, folks, thinkpause.org with the uh, thinkpoz.org to get more information on what uh, Mark Miro is up to. And uh, really, what an incredible story you are, Mark. And uh, showing that, uh, you know, success and fame isn't always the answer in life. Uh, and, uh, you've really turned it into something that I, like, I know when you say it, uh, you found your mission and, and that you are at peace and that you've never been happier. And I, I really, I'm so happy for you. Thank you, Sean. And you know, Sean, just wanted to let you know that we are coming out to Arizona. Check out, or go under the events page of our website. You'll see the schools we're doing in Arizona, and, and hopefully they'll be near you because I certainly would love to break bread with you sometime. Yeah, well, when you do get close, I'm definitely, we're definitely going to get together. I'd love oh, it. Thank you, Sean. All right, Mark Merrow uh, here on Primetime with Sean Mooney. Thank you so much, and I can't wait till our paths cross, uh, Mark. Thanks, brother. Take care, brother, and God bless everybody.